Good morning. Welcome to East LJ Baptist Church. We're so glad you're here. We have a number of first-time guests today, and we just want you to know that we're thankful that you've joined us as we come to the Lord to worship Him today. We have been captivated by Christ, and we hope today you see the beauty of Jesus that we've seen and find your hearts captivated by Him as well. I want to give a quick thank you to our nursery workers. Uh, just give them a round of applause. Uh, amen. They make it possible for parents to enjoy the worship service, and uh, what a gift that is uh, to, to, to them. So thank you all who service that way. There will be no children's church today, uh, so we've got some different things going on, but no children's church today, and so just be aware of that. We want to start by standing and finding somebody you don't know, introduce yourself to them, and then I'll bring you back together in just a few minutes. All right, if you'll make your way back to your seats, and as you're doing that, I'm going to ask Shelly Mayo to come uh, up to the uh, stage here, uh, if you'll, you, you can, and you can be seated. Uh, Shelly Mayo is, I hope, in the, there she comes, yes, praise the Lord. So Shelly uh, is tired. <laughs> You saw Shelly last Sunday. She had just got back last Sunday from a week of youth camp that prior week. She left the Monday morning for a week of Centra Kid, and she's fresh back from Centra Kid. And uh, our church piggybacks with First Baptist to, to go to Centra Kid. And so Shelly's going to share with you, um, and some of the kids, hopefully, that were, that were there, going to share with you a little bit about their week. Thank you. I uh, had thought for a moment that when I came up here, I may put, like, mud on my face and just like a tattered shirt and you know come crawling but no I didn't do that um, it was a great week it was wonderful but I have some people here would anybody like to join me that was with me no not really <laughs> okay I understand 
Um, but we do have some pictures um, in a PowerPoint if anyone would like to see it afterwards. We didn't get it in time to hear. Uh, we were gathering pictures from everybody from um, the different churches that had joined, so uh, possibly show that at another time or if anybody would like to see. But we started off with day one talking about a pure heart and what it means to have a pure heart. And the Bible uh, verse for the week was 1 Samuel 16, 7, and it was, Humans do not see what the Lord sees, for humans see what is visible, but the Lord sees the heart. And we really talked about that and what that meant for everybody. And then we went on to talk about a humble heart and what it means to be humble and not boasting and how to help others and catch others uh, helping and doing good. And that was um, a wonderful day. Then we moved on to a trusting heart. And we talked about trusting in the Lord with all of our heart and do not trust in your own ways, but trust in the Lord's ways in everything. And um, another verse that we, we talked about was, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. And then we moved on to, um, after a trusting heart, we went to a merciful heart. And God wants the best for us. And he shows mercy and compassion to us. Um, and we do not deserve anything. We are sinners. But yet, God has mercy on us. And we just have to trust him and open our hearts to him um, okay and then we went on to the willing heart and God's word is a map so we use the Bible to find our way and if you are searching for what to do and like we talked about last week go to the Bible first and it was just once again talked about the Bible is our map so we use that, and we should be reading it every day. And the, the kids were just so energized. It was wonderful. They had a blast. OMC was organized mass chaos. Some of you are familiar with what that is. It is mass chaos. So the kids have task cards, and they, uh, the, everybody has a task. They have to run and do it, and the, you cannot say no. So if someone says, switch shoes with me and run around, or let me put shaving cream on your head, you have to say yes. So all of the above happened and more. So, um, but the kids love it. They were running around having fun. And after every activity, they always bring it back into tying it into a Bible verse just throughout the whole week. And it was a really, really good week. So the kids enjoyed it. And I did as well. It was a privilege to be there. Thank you. Thank you, Shelly. We appreciate you uh, serving our kids and, and chaperoning two weeks in a row. So get some rest, and, but she's going to have to rest quick because school's coming. All right, let's stand together as we honor the reading of God's Word. Psalm 9, verses 1 and 2, and also we're going to read verses 9 and 10. This will be um, Scott Phillips' text a little bit later in the morning. Scripture says, I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. I will recount all of your wonderful deeds. I will be glad and exult in you. I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. The Lord is a stronghold for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. And those who know your name put their trust in you. For you, O Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. If you trust the Lord this morning, if you're oppressed this morning, he's a stronghold for you. He wants to be. And I hope you've come into this place 
to give thanks to the Lord with your whole heart, to recount it through our, our singing of, 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 of hymns and songs, uh, all of his wonderful deeds, to hear the word of God where we hear again all that he has done for us, that we can be glad and exult in him and sing praise to his name, who is the most high God. As I mentioned a minute ago, Scott and Jenny Phillips and their family uh, are joining us today. They uh, are, are Dow Ministries together, desiring advancement overseas, and they are translating the scriptures for a people group in Central, uh, South, South Central Asia. And Scott will come later, update us on the work of Dow Ministries, and also preach from uh, the text we've just read. Let's go to the Lord in prayer as we pray. Pray with me for the Phillips family in advance. We want to pray for our Montana mission team as well. We leave Friday, about 11 of us from East LJ, uh, making, uh, p- being part of a team of total of 26 folks going uh, on Friday to Browning, Montana. So we appreciate your prayers. Let's pray together. Father, we have come to give thanks to you with our whole heart. I pray that right now you would help that to be true by your spirit God, search us and know us. See if there's any undivided heart in us. And if there is, God, how we pray you would just uh, cleanse us even now. Give us a single heart for you in, in this time. And, Father, we pray that you would help us as we want to remember and recount all of your wonderful deeds. We thank you for all that you've done for us in Jesus. That in him we have every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. There is nothing we lack for eternity and for time in Christ. And we praise you. So may you be lifted high today. Father, we thank you that the Phillips family can be here. We thank you for the the work of Dow Ministries. We pray that you would uh, just continue to help us as we partner with them. Uh, And we pray that you would work in their lives. Uh, Lord, uh, the work in country as well as uh, all that they're doing here, we pray that you would... uh, Just give them all they need and uh, use them to encourage us and challenge us today um, as we worship you. Father, we pray for our Montana mission team. Pray that you go before us as we go to serve among the Blackfoot Indian people. We pray that you prepare hearts, that you prepare our hearts and use us for your glory. God, today we lift up many who are sick. We pray for Angie and Larry Callahan as well as Joyce Callahan. We lift up Joseph Johnson Marlene McCarthy, pray for wisdom for um, Deb Emery as she cares for her mother, Marlene McCarthy, in these days. We pray for Melanie Ballou and Billy Sue Dean. Uh, we pray for Lana Weberg and uh, praise you for just great improvements for Kathy Abernathy. Continue to pray for Randy Piper, Denise Key. We thank you for uh, Kathy Rickert that she's gaining strength. We continue to lift up Kristen Crunkleton and and thank you that uh, Teresa Putnam's with us today. Continue to lift her up. Pray for Pam Aldridge. Uh, Father, thank you for a good report for Helen Pinson. And pray for her as she begins physical therapy. We pray for Eulen Cochran and Belle McDaniel. Tommy Duckett. God, we pray for Teddy Milton, uh, who had a tough diagnosis this week. And pray that you would just give grace there. And God, we lift up David MacArthur and Joe Hensley, both of whom will have surgery on Thursday. Father David for his back and Joe for his shoulder. We pray God you go before these men and use their doctors and we pray for uh, successful procedures and quick recoveries. Father, thank you for your presence in this place. Thank you for um, the privilege, the joy that we have to worship you. 
And may we, with all of our hearts, lift high your name, even now as we sing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Remain standing as we worship in song. Let's sing together. We're glad you're here this morning. We're going to start with 10,000 Reasons.
sing How Great is the Love as Leslie leads us.
All right, we're on, so we're good to go. What a, what a good time of worship together. I just hearing people cry out to God and praise Him. That's what my message will be about this morning from Psalm chapter 9. In a moment, be, before I uh, share my message, I'll do a little recap. I see a lot of new faces. I didn't realize it, but I guess it's been about a year and a half at least since we've been here. Uh, Roger, my buddy back here, pointed out that he'd never met our youngest son. Uh, so let me introduce you to our family. Uh, this is my wife, Jenny, over here. We have seven children. From oldest to youngest, they're Moses, Job, Lazarus, Boaz, Jedediah, our one girl, Maranatha, and then Enoch. So this is our family here. <laughs> and uh, we're glad to be here with you this morning. Just right off the bat, I want to say thank you. This church has been uh, making a huge difference in our ministry, both here and abroad. For, for those of you guys that don't know a lot about where we serve or what we've been doing, uh, we're in Indonesia. We've been serving mainly with a tribe called the Dao People Group uh, for 20 years this next year. Uh, so we've been working with this people group. We've been working to translate the Bible into their language. We finished the New Testament a few years ago. Uh, my wife is the Bible translator, uh, not me, because she's a lot sharper than I am. Uh, but now she's translating through the Old Testament, and uh, my role up until the last couple years has been to do church planning work. I take what she translates, so I make it into Bible lessons, and I was teaching the Tao people. Well, fast forward all this time, and uh, now the Tao people are leading their own church. Uh, this last time we were there, I asked them how many uh, teachers that they think there are now that started off with just us training two guys. And uh, they started counting, and in the Dao tribe, the counting system, it only goes up to 20. You can probably guess why. It's because you have 10 fingers and 10 toes. So once they got up to 20, they stopped for a second after naming different people that are teaching and preaching in different villages. They stopped, and then they said, and then they started all over again. They went through another 20, and they don't count past 40. They say 40 is two people. So they got up to two people, 40 teachers, and they said, we can't, we can't go anymore, but there's more. And that's what God's been doing in the Dao tribe. So the Dao people are leading their own church now. They've done outreaches in every last village of their language group, and now they're reaching cross-dialect uh, to, to new villages, which has opened up more time for us. So as my wife continues to translate, uh, we've started to work with other churches, Christian colleges in the area. We're building a missionary training center only about two hours from here. We're using all volunteers uh, to build it, and some of you guys have been involved with that. Tim can tell you a lot about that too, so thank you for your involvement in that way. And the goal is to take missionaries from Bryan College, from other Christian colleges uh, in this general area, to train them up right in Tennessee, then to take them over to a property that we have in uh, Indonesia at a coastal town called Nabire, where we're setting up a mission station. From that mission station will be a launching point to take missionary candidates that we're training and send them out to right now, we have eight more tribes that are asking for missionaries to come and do exactly what my wife and I have done over the past 20 years. So that's what we're involved in. That's what we're doing. And, and right off the bat, thank you for being a part of that, through standing behind us, uh, through, through uh, your support, through, through everything. I want to thank you for that. Um, I don't know if you guys knew uh, this morning, I, I don't know if you guys have already heard the statistic, but there is a great need for more missionaries, for cross-cultural missionaries, for missionaries that are going specifically to places like we went to where they don't even have a written alphabet. 
Places where even if the Bible was translated into their language already, there wouldn't be an entire person in the tribe that could pick it up and read it. Because nobody can read. Places like that. Places that are unlike the places here in the U.S. Where even where you've got places that may not have many churches, people at least know how to read and write. And if they really want to know, they can go to Walmart and they can sit down and they can read a Bible. Places that aren't like that. And there are many places still like that. Many places. In fact, if you look into it really closely and start looking through statistics, you'll find the information on the internet and other places that in round numbers there have been 7,300 known spoken languages on this planet. Of those 7,300 spoken languages that have been spoken on this planet, 6,300 of those languages are still spoken today, right now. 6,300 languages. 2,000 of those 6,300 languages have the Bible. They either have the Bible in their language or they have it in the process of translation, like the Tao tribe. And the remaining 4,300 language groups have nothing. Have nothing. They have not even a single verse of Scripture translated into their language. And so we need missionaries that will go to the hard places, that will go to the places where they're hard to get to, there's sicknesses, places where they're asking for missionaries, places where they've been waiting for hundreds of years. While we here in America have new versions of the Bible come out in English every single year. We need more missionaries. And that's why with our spare time we're trying to be a part of that. Training up and raising up more missionaries to go to the people that are waiting we just had a family join our, our group that uh, has five kids. The, the guy is 40 years old. Him and his wife, his wife is in her late 30s. They have five kids and they just finished learning Indonesian to go to an unreached tribe called the Beteo that is still waiting. And we get another guy that we just joined down ministries named Elisha Hardiman. He grew up in Dunlap, not too far north of here, a farm boy. But he wants to give his life and his service to the Lord, and he's planning on going to another unreached tribe. And he's working with us at the Dow Ministry Center right now, too. It's amazing to see what the Lord does. It really is. But this is why we're grateful for you guys, and uh, as you continue to stand behind us as we do this work, as we train up other people now to be a part of the work also and get them ready to go to Indonesia, and uh, as we continue to do our translation work, uh, you know, I'm always looking for new ways to get my kids involved in on it. Uh, I'm going to show you a video in a moment that my oldest son Moses made uh, just last month, right before we got back from Indonesia, and we're headed back again before the end of the year. I, I hope that you can do to do this. And then my other kids, they've spent the whole last two weeks making prayer reminders for you guys, and if you guys want to check those out, they've got them on a table back there as well, but... Uh, I want to show you a video before I get into my message because I feel like you guys can better understand uh, the situation that we work in when we're in Dow. If you can see it with your own eyes and you can uh, hear a little bit of it with your own ears. So if that video works, if you could go ahead and show it.
aren't any doctors or hospitals in the jungle, so when we get sick, Mom and Dad take care of us. Hallelujah, Father, you're near. people get sick we use the doctor's book to figure out which sickness they have and we try to take care of them Sometimes the Dao people get a sickness or injury that we can't completely treat ourselves, so we write our doctor friends back in America to help us figure out what to do. Sometimes we have to call the helicopter to come and take our Dao friends to the hospital out of the jungle so that they will recover. Thank you for your prayers and support. So what this video showed, uh, I don't know it. <laughs> yeah. Thank you to my kids, you know, for playing a part in the ministry in that way. It's, it's really neat that uh, I feel like the Lord is giving us a team. As we have more and more kids, He's given us people to help us. And, uh, you know, that's, that's my hope in it all, is that by the time that they're adults, they'll look at their lives and they'll be like, I've traveled the world my whole life. Why not just keep doing it? And maybe they'll reach seven more tribes. I hope. that We'll see what the Lord has for them, but... You know, I pray that that's the case. But in that video, it showed uh, one of the situations that happened in the last couple months. There was a little girl. Her name was Kobe Opa. And she's the, the daughter of one of, my main, uh, one of my favorite buddies over there that taught us the Dao language. And she was just running around and, uh, with, her kid, with her friends playing tag. And she come running around a tree just doing what all kids do. And she fell. Uh, she broke her arm on, a, on the root of a tree that was sticking out. 
And when she broke her arm, we didn't see it, but we could hear it because immediately there started coming up all these death wails. Uh, you'd have to hear them to understand them. And once you hear them enough times, you recognize them that someone is dying or has died when you hear these wails coming up from all over the village. Within a few minutes, there's some guys that ran up on our porch and they, they told us what had happened, how she'd broken her arm. And we went down there and, and uh, they, we looked at it and it was broken so bad that it had come through the skin. There was blood everywhere. Uh, we, we were trying to figure out what to do about it. But we're not doctors, but we're all that they have, right? Uh, so we're doing our best. We're looking at books that we have, trying to figure out what to do. And uh, they tell us that they have never in the history of their tribe, of their people group, as long as they know, they've never seen someone break their bone in that way and survive. They said they have two to four weeks. So they were already mourning this little girl's death. And she was sitting there, and all she had was a broken arm. And she hadn't died yet. So we tried to call the helicopter. It's helicopter access only where we work. If we get sick, we have to call out to the Lord. If our kids get sick, we call out to the Lord. But we called the helicopter, and then we find out from the helicopter pilot that they can't come help us. They can't come get this little girl because there's a a war going on in between two tribes where the helicopter's stationed and they can't get out. And they're on standby to medevac their own families, the pilots. Long story short, this little girl that you saw in this video, she sat there with a broken arm, with the bone sticking out of her skin for five days. For five days. And we heard these wails continuing to go on and on. And every day they'd come up, is the helicopter coming? Is it coming? Is it coming? And we would just go down and cry with them and pray with them. And it's all we could do. Jenny tried to uh, make a splint out of two pieces of bamboo and reset her arm. It came back out. It wouldn't stay set. Then finally, on the fifth day, they said, we figured out a plan. The warning hasn't stopped here, but we're going to try to charter a helicopter from another location. And that helicopter was able to get in and make it, get the little girl out, take her to the hospital. And then when we went out to get the little girl after the the arm had been reset and casted and everything else, because we stayed in the tribe, we sent her out with her dad. You might have seen that in the video. Came out a couple weeks later, and we got off the helicopter. And uh, the little girl and her dad, they were there uh, waiting for us. They were going in for their final checks at, at the hospital with this broken arm. And the dad sees us, and he walks at us, and they're all about four foot tall. And he just buries his head into my chest, and he just starts weeping. And he says, friend, you guys have done for us what we could have never done for ourselves. And he just cries, this grown man. And this is, what you, this is one of the few things that you guys have a part of. Bringing hope to people that didn't have hope, and not just on a physical level, but on a spiritual level. Where they get to hear about the salvation that Jesus offers through you guys being a part of this. I just can't thank you enough. But I don't want to just tell stories this morning, although I have a lot of stories to tell. Uh, the time is limited, and I want to share from the Word as well. So Psalm chapter 9, I'm going to read verse 1, one through 2 one more time, then I'm just going to pray and commit this time to the Lord one more time. So Psalm 9, verses 1 through 2, it says this, I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. I will recount all of your wonderful deeds. I will be glad and all exulting you. I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. God, I thank you for your word. You are the Most High God. 
There is no one like you, and you are worthy of all the praise that we can give you, and not only from us, but from every last tongue, tribe, nation, and language that exists, Lord. You are worthy of praise from every last one. And you tell us that there is coming a day where there will be people from every last tongue, tribe, nation, and language that are standing before your throne, crying out to you, worthy are you, Lord. You're an amazing and wonderful God, Lord, and you offer us the salvation, the satisfaction, the joy, the hope that nothing else can offer us, Lord. Help us not to take it lightly. Help us to understand how fortunate and how blessed we are, even the fact that we're sitting in this room right now and we have the ability to read your word. It's such a privilege. It's a privilege to know you, to know your name, to be called by your name. Lord, change us where we need to be changed. Soften our hearts. Lord, help our hearts to break for the things that break your heart. Change us where we need to be changed, Lord. Do that work in us that only you can do. I can't change hearts, but I know and I'm confident that you can. Change my heart, Lord. Amen. You know, he starts it out, he says, I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. I think, I think about David. You know, you look through these psalms, and he says that over and over and over again. He, he, there's so many psalms where he just spends the whole thing just praising the Lord, giving thanks to the Lord. And I, I think about it, and I read these words, and I feel like, I feel like, I must feel like David felt right now. As I get to go, and I get to stand in front of people like you, and I get to recount the wonderful things that the Lord does. And I get the privilege of talking about these things. And it's amazing, as amazing as, as anything could possibly be to me, that I am someone that gets to stand here and tell these stories. It's beautiful to me. I'll give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. Some of you in here may not be familiar with, with the background of our work, but uh, I've told some of these stories here before, but one of the most amazing and interesting things that, that God did was He was working in and He was preparing the Tao tribe long before we ever got there for his message. Some of you have heard me share about this, but basically when we got there and we started learning their language and we were trudging through this, this language trying to learn it, there came a point where something very interesting started happening, which was that there was a specific family that built their house right next to ours and they weren't going anywhere, which was very uncultural because the Tao people are semi-nomadic, they're always traveling, but this one family was just staying. And so when we had enough language to ask them, how come you're not doing what everybody else is doing? How come you're building a house next to us and staying? The man that lived in that house with his wife and his three daughters, his name was Apia Wogin, he said to his friend, Degapia, that's what they call me, Degapia. That's what they named me. It means tall white tree. Degapia. He says, Degapia, he says, I need to tell you a story. There's a reason we've built our house right next to your house. And he said, the reason is this. He said, when I was about this high, because nobody knows their age there. Uh, they, all the seasons are the same. It stays the same all year. There's not four seasons like there is here. So nobody knows their age because they don't have year markers. So that's how they describe it. He said, when I woke up. I was about this high. I woke up in the men's hut because there's men's and women's huts. He said, I sat up. He said, all the other men were waking up. My father was in the room. He woke up last and he 
his eyes were really wide, and he said to us, I've had a strange dream. He said, and I said to my dad, what was the dream? Tell it to us. And my father looked at me and the rest of the men in that room, and he said, it was the strangest dream. I dreamed that there was these strange-looking, pale-skinned foreigners. They hiked into our valley. Somehow, they learned our language. And then when they learned it, they gave us a message greater than anything we'd ever heard before. And after we heard that message, we became like family, like brothers and sisters with those strange foreigners. And Apiawogi looked at me this morning and he said, Degapia, the reason I've built my house next to yours, the reason I'm not going anywhere, is because here you are. He said, my father died a long time ago. He said, but all of this, these, these moons later, he said, I see you guys come up here. You hike into our valley. You're learning our language. You've got a strange foreigner look. You tell us you've got a great message for us. And he said, so I built my house next to yours. And he said, I am not leaving till I hear your message. And it blew me away. As we continued to meet other people from that tribe, it turns out that it wasn't just his father. It was multiple chiefs from multiple villages over two different valley systems that all had the same dream one generation before we got there. And then when we taught for the first time, we didn't start with Jesus in the New Testament. We started in Genesis in the Old Testament, introducing the concept of one God that's more powerful than all, that's good in nature, that doesn't want to cause us harm, and then building up that foundation. We taught for two months, and semi-nomadic people that don't usually stay anywhere longer than two to three days stayed for two months as we taught them from the Old Testament, from God's creation of all things, all the way up through the life of Christ. And then the Tao Church was born. And it was amazing to see. I still cannot believe I'm the one that gets to tell these stories. I really can't. And I do give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart this morning for what He's done and for the part that He gives us in it. He goes on, he says, I will recount all of your wonderful deeds. You know, if I stood here and I recounted one story after another, after another, after another, of different amazing things we've seen God do in the Tao tribe, I think we'd be here all week because he's done so many, so many wonderful and unique and amazing things. Uh, just even right now as I'm thinking about it, you know, I, I mentioned we were learning their language. And as we were learning their language and gathering words, you know, we'd go everywhere with these notepads and write down these different words. And we not only were tasked with learning their language, but we had to form an alphabet for their language because nobody in the whole tribe could read or write. And they can't read the Bible as we translate it unless they can read. So we had to make an alphabet for them, teach them how to read and write their own language in hopes that they would one day read God's word for themselves. But while we were learning that language, there came one morning where I looked outside and there was this, uh, there was this magnificent rainbow, just very vibrant, beautiful, and it was arching right over the village, right down in front of our house. And I said, Jenny, check this out. And she looked out the window and the beautiful rainbow so we go down to the village, we have our notepads, we're thinking, we don't know the word for rainbow yet, we're going to find out the word for rainbow. So we go down to the village, but the village looks like a ghost town, there's nobody there. Which was weird, because the night before there was tons of people in the village. So we go in there, and there's nobody in the village, and Jenny goes and she says, I'm going to see where the women are. She goes, and the door to the women's house is closed, and the door to the men's house is closed, so... I kind of scratched the door. They slide this bark in front of their house doors. And uh, someone slides back the bark just about that much and looks outside, and it's my friend Wikipite. 
Wikipite, he looks out this door and he's, and I say, friend, what are you doing? Don't you see the magnificent thing in the sky? I didn't know the word for it. I said, have you seen it? He reached his hand out of that crack, he grabbed onto my wrist, and he pulled me in the house, and then he closed the door behind me. He said, do not look at that thing, dig up here. Do not look at it. He said, don't you realize, that's a patamo, patamo. And I'm thinking, patamo, what does this word mean? And I'm thinking, okay, I know the word pa, that's evil spirit. The word tamo, that's walking stick. So what this guy is telling me, what my buddy Wikipedia is telling me, is that this is the walking stick of an evil spirit. And every time there was a rainbow in the rainforest, they would hide. Because they believed if they looked at it, they would get sick, they would get caused harm by the spirit that was walking through the sky, and possibly even die. And they were trying to protect me by pulling me into the house. You know, eventually, when we finally learned their language and we started teaching them through those stories of the Old Testament, and we taught them through the story of Noah, and they heard for the first time what that thing really is, how it's God's sign to us, man, was that a freeing moment for them. It was freeing. It set them free from fear, from hopelessness, even even in looking at God's beautiful creations. They were so taken back by it and so amazed by it that they actually changed the word in their language. Now they refuse to say the word patamo. They've changed the word to <laughs> Right? The creator. His. His sign to us. And now when there's a rainbow, you know what they do? They walk out of their houses and they do the same thing we do. They point at it and they say, God, you're awesome. Look at that. It's the Creator's one sign to us and they rejoice and they praise God for His creation. Man, if I could tell you story after story after story, it would take so long. Just things like that that God's done to where they are no longer a people that are controlled by fear. There are people that live in freedom, experiencing the joy that only Christ can offer, that only God can offer us through His Word. It's it's amazing to think about. And that's what the life of a missionary is, as far as I see it. We're just people that that we get to be a part of what God's doing, and then we stand in awe of what He's done, and that we get to play some small part in it. Uh, I, if there's any verse that could sum up that for me, it'd be John 6:44, where Jesus, he says, no one can come to me unless the Father draws them. That's what he does. That's what God does. That's what the Father does. He does the work that we as missionaries cannot do. He draws them. He works in their heart. He changes hearts. He does the things that we cannot do. I can't change a heart. And that's why he has to get all the glory, Right? So I will recount all of your wonderful deeds. I will be glad and all exulting you. It's interesting, he goes on in the next part of that, that uh, first part of that second verse, and he starts it out, I will be glad. I'll be glad. It makes sense, right? Because giving thanks and recounting God's wonderful deeds, it will automatically lead to gladness 
and joy, like I am right now. There, I think some of the times when I'm happy, the most happy, the gladdest person is when I get to stand here and do what I'm doing right now and recount the deeds of the Lord and what he's done. But have you ever thought about how much David mentions gladness and joy? And it's even mentioned in the New Testament. It's really interesting to think about. I did a word study on it yesterday. Listen to this. Psalm 4-7 says, Lord, you have put more joy in my heart than others when their grain and wine abound. Psalm 30, 11. Lord, you've turned for me my mourning into dancing. You've loosed my sackcloth and you've girded me with gladness. Okay, Psalm 32, 11. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, you righteous ones. Shout for joy. All you who are upright in heart, shout for joy. Psalm 102, serve the Lord with gladness. Come into His presence with singing. In fact, uh, one of my favorite authors, John Piper, he writes a book called Let Let the Nations Be Glad. And he talks about how gladness is even the ultimate goal of missions as we know it. Think about these verses, Psalm 67, 4. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon the earth. Psalm 97, 1. The Lord reigns, let the earth rejoice. Let even the many distant coastlands be glad. Why such an emphasis on gladness? Why? I believe there's some very good reasons why. Number one, because true deep-seated satisfaction and joy and gladness can only come through Jesus. It can only come through relationship with our Father, with God, with the one that created us. Okay? Why do we exist? What's the chief purpose of man? To enjoy God and to glorify Him. Joy is a theme, and it should be a theme in our lives. Man, I could go on and on about that point. <laughs> but because our gladness, you know, is, is, is central, it should be our central, a central point in our lives as Christians, our gladness, our joy. It's one of the things that sets us apart from a complaining, murmuring, griping, unhappy, unsatisfied, joyless world that's all around us. We as Christians should not be people that walk around unhappy, griping, complaining, can you believe this, can you believe that, right? We shouldn't be like that. We should be people that our lives are marked by joy, by satisfaction, by gladness that we can find only in Jesus. We should be different. We should be different from the world. One of my favorite memory verses that me and my kids go over together, and I believe I mentioned it last time we were here, but a really good memory verse in relation to this. Philippians 2.14, do everything without grumbling and complaining so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation, and then you will shine among them like the stars in the sky. You know what makes us shine among them like the stars in the sky? is when we do everything with joy, without grumbling and without complaining, it sets us apart. It sets us apart. David says, he says, I will be glad. And then he goes on and he says, and I will exult in you. So he says, 
As I give thanks, as I recount all your wondrous works, I will be glad and all exalting you. And that's another point that I love. He says, I will exult in you. It's not about David. It's not about him. It's about the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the one he is exulting in, the one that does the wondrous works, the one that gives us hope. That's what it's about. You know, and as I think about the point, I, you know, uh, let me be clear that, that when I tell these stories this morning, when I talk about the things that God has done, it's not so that after this service is over, I can walk out into that foyer and you guys, some, someone might walk up to me and say, oh, you're so great, I could never do what you, you did. You must have had a real strong calling on your life to be able to do this. That's not why I tell these stories. And as far as I see it, those are untrue statements. Those are untrue. Okay? First of all, the reason it's not true is because if God can speak through a donkey, He can speak through anybody. Think about the story of Balaam. If there's anybody that had no business and still has no business being in the jungle, it's a guy like me that grew up in Los Angeles, skateboarding, didn't know the first thing about jungle life. Okay? Someone that flunked out of high school and got kicked out of college because I couldn't cut it. I had D's and F's, and God takes us on to learn another language. My wife and I, people with seven kids, where people regularly look at us and think, you must be insane for taking your kids to the jungle with a place with no hospitals, helicopter access only, in the middle of nowhere. If there's anyone that shouldn't be a part of what we're doing, it's us. But God uses us anyway. And if anything, the Bible teaches in 1 Corinthians 1 that God takes delight in using the weak things and the foolish things, the people that have nothing to offer. That's me. That's us. And God uses us anyway. And so I said, praise God. I will be glad and I'll exult in you. He's doing what he's doing and what only he can do, Okay. Second of all, you must have had a special calling on your life. Some people say, you know what? you got the same Bible I do. you got the same Bible I do. you got the same Matthew 28, 18 through 20 written in your Bible that I do, where Jesus commands us to go into all the world. You've got the same Romans 15, 20 through 22 that I do that tells us that it's God's plan from the beginning that every eye should see and that every ear should hear and that Paul prioritized the places where there was no name of Christ named, and there was no foundation laid, no church is established. you got the same Bible as I do. Romans chapter 10, where he says, how, they, how can they call without a preacher? you got the same Bible I do. In fact, when it comes to missions, I've heard it said there are only three types of Christians, and you've probably said this too. There's the goers, there's the senders, and there's the disobedient. So if you're not going, and you're not sending you got the same Bible I do. You're being disobedient. I hope that's a challenge to us. Okay? Man, it's amazing. It's amazing to think about what God's done. I tell these stories today so that we can exult in Him. So that we can exult in Him. We can rejoice and be glad in what the Lord has done against all earthly odds. Because He could have used anybody else but he chooses to use messed up, wimpy, weak people 
like you and me. Praise God. Praise God. And then he ends off this last uh, verse here. He says, I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. I'll sing praise to your name, O Most High. What a beautiful, beautiful verse. And I think that's where we should be this morning. As we hear these stories, as we think about what the Lord's done, we think about the privilege that He's given us to be a part of, part of it all. Praise you, Lord. I will sing your praise, Most High. This is where we should all be. Saying that, God, you're worthy of praise both today and every day. You are worthy of praise. You're worthy of being adored both here and in every remaining dark, unreached corner of this world. You're worthy, Lord. You're worthy. You know, the, the Lord tells us in Revelation 7, I'm sure you guys are familiar with these verses, uh, Roman, uh, Revelation 7, 9 through 10, that one day there will be a great multitude that no one can count from every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne and before the Lamb, and they will be wearing white robes. They'll be holding palm branches in their hands, and they'll be crying out in a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And that is another reason we have to be glad this morning. Because God does not lie. And He's told us that there will be people from every tongue, tribe, and nation. So we are a part of something that cannot fail when we are a part of missions and taking His message to places that have yet to hear it for the first time. And that's another reason to be glad. I've been thinking a lot about failure versus success. What the world calls success and what we call success, what the world calls failure, and what we call failure. There's different people that look at it different ways, but one of the guys that I, I was sharing this quote with uh, Tim a couple weeks ago that I've been thinking about, William Carey, if you're familiar with him. When it comes to failure and success, you know what William Carey said? And he, he, he did a great missionary work. I encourage you to read about his life and work. He said, you know, I'm not afraid of failure. I'm not afraid of failure. He said, I'm afraid of succeeding at things that do not matter. I'm not afraid of failure. I'm afraid of succeeding in things that don't matter. I'm always taken back when we come back to the States by how many things there are that people center their life around that just don't matter. We are drowning in ways to waste our lives. It's the country we live in. We play and we play and we play our life away. We play. And my question for you this morning, my challenge is, what are you going to spend your life on? What are you going to spend your days making much of and exulting in and being glad about? Are you just going to play it safe like everyone else? Are you going to spend your life just talking about and exulting in the same things as everybody else around you and never taking any risks at all for the sake of our king, for the sake of this message, the gospel? I hope not. I hope that you guys are daily exulting in and that I and my family and my kids are daily exulting in and talking about more than just our favorite sports team or the latest TV show, or the best presidential candidate. 
I hope that you're exulting in the Lord because He is worthy. He is worthy of all praise. I pray that your life is one that makes much of the wonderful deeds of the Lord and the love of God that was put on display for us through His Son, Jesus, who loved us and gave Himself up for us. And I hope you guys continue to pray for and to try to find new ways to be a part of seeing the gospel carried to those remaining 4,300 language groups that are still waiting for the first verse of Scripture in their language. And if you don't know the Lord this morning, if you don't know His love, I pray that you'll come to know and trust in Him and to realize that there is no joy, there is no gladness, there is no satisfaction, and there is no salvation like what He offers us. And I'm, I'm, I'll be around afterwards if you want to talk to me about that or your pastor. I want to pray for you guys this morning as I close. And I truly do come to you guys this morning with a thankful heart. Thank you for standing behind us. Thank you for playing a part in the work that we're doing. Thank you. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for these people that are here. Lord, may you grow our passion for you more and more and more, Lord, till we can't even contain it to where we're so full and standing in awe of you and we're so glad in heart that we have to talk about it. Lord, do a work in our hearts. Change us in the way that only you can change us. Lord, I pray for the Dow people this morning. Lord, I think about them hiking barefoot for hours through the jungle, through mountains, with their kids in string hammocks hanging off of their backs, and bags full of potatoes so that they can feed their family while they travel to go to another village and worship you together as a body. I think of them, Lord, as they sit on dirty wood floors, Lord, I think of them as they, uh, as they meet together and praise you. And they sit cross-legged on the ground. And they think nothing of it. Because they know that you're worthy of praise. Lord, humble us. We've got so much. Lord, we've got so much. Humble us, Lord. Break our hearts for the nations. Help us not to waste our lives. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Scott. We appreciate you coming. Amen, church? That'd be a good place to just, yeah, thank you. Express your love and appreciation for the Phillips. And what a challenge from God's Word. I don't know about you, but a challenge to my heart about my worship. Do we really? Praise Him with all our heart when we come here? Uh, do we really exult in Him? Do we find our joy and our treasure, our satisfaction in Him and in Him alone? What a challenge. Thank you, Scott. And uh, so looking forward to some good time with you after the service. However God's spoken to your heart as we sing and worship together, this altar is open for you to come and respond to Him. If you need to find this one that has given so much joy to all of us who name His name, to Scott, obviously, as he's shared with us this morning, We'd love to introduce you to him as we stand and sing.
God's people said. Amen. 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 You may be seated. God's is so faithful. Scripture says that God cannot be unfaithful to himself. It's who he is. He is faithful. And even when we are faithless, even when we're unfaithful, which is often to him, he, he remains faithful to us. Full of grace, full of mercy, full of power to change our lives. And I'm so thankful for God's faithfulness in my life and in, in our lives. It's just uh, awesome to hear how God is at work in the world. How God's, to hear stories of how he's at work in our lives here. Um, you, you guys be praying for our Jane Anderson, our good friend right here who's been with us for, I don't know, quite a while now, over a year. Um, and uh, is making a move this week back to Florida. So be praying for Jane as she makes that move. And also her friends Tricia and Pat as they stay here. They've been together here uh, and then in Florida before here. And, and so Jane's going back this week. And uh, make sure you just express your love to her as, as she makes that move. And uh, so we love you, Jane. Be praying for you. Sure appreciate you. 